Hi there, friend. Welcome to Creative Rising, a show about what it's really like to run a photography business. I am your host, Erin Youngren. If you are new to the show, there is so much goodness for you to catch up on in the first three seasons. Last season, we heavily focused on the business side of wedding photography because it was going live during the off season, during January and February of the year 2020. And so I was going to focus a lot more on shooting and posing and just the overall behind the camera part of being a wedding photographer. However, I am recording this in April of 2020. So if you are listening to this as it is going live, you know that we are in the middle of the COVID pandemic. And so right now our minds are not on shooting. I'm sure all of us, including me, are itching to get behind our cameras, but we can't. We are in quarantine and our client work has come to a complete halt. And we don't know how long this is going to last, if it's going to be a few more weeks or if it's going to be several more months, if it's going to last beyond the month of April. Which, by the way, is so strange for me to be recording these episodes because I like to batch these episodes and I'm really trying to get ahead on recording them well ahead of the time that they publish. But right now, our world is so day by day and week by week that it's really strange to talk to a future audience when I don't really know what the future looks like as I record this. So bear with me as I figure that whole thing out. Right now, as I record this, our quarantine restrictions are in effect through the end of April. So that is where we are at. And I picked this content that I'm going to talk about today for a very specific reason. One, because it's incredibly relevant to what we're all going through right now, but it's also relevant for any time in our business outside of a global pandemic. So if you're listening to this in the future, One, I want to know what that's like. Can you just like find a little messaging time machine and just send a little message back to past me to tell me that, you know, what's going on in the world? But also, this is the kind of content that is timeless. This is relevant for any business owner at any time. So remember that as I'm talking through everything. Now, the title of this episode is Five Daily Habits You Need to Win at Working from Home. And for a lot of people, this pandemic has disrupted their normal in that they now have to work from home instead of going into an office. And that life of waking up and going to a corporate office really was the organizing structure of their daily routines. But now that structure is gone. And for those people, that can be really uncomfortable because if it's their first time working at home, they have a whole new way of being to get used to. But for most of us wedding photographers, working from home is not a new thing. I have been working from home and creating my own structures and daily rhythms from scratch since I quit my corporate job in 2008. So I've had 12 years to get used to structuring my own time. But the thing that is interesting for us wedding photographers is that while an out-of-home office isn't our organizing structure, our client work is. Our weddings and our shoots and the deadlines and the workflows that come along with them are the organizing structure. When a client emails us, that sets off a list of tasks and to-dos. When we get an inquiry, that inquiry triggers a workflow that sets everything in motion. So for those of you that are listening 
during the COVID-19 pandemic and you are still in quarantine, you have no client work around which to organize your time. So you may be feeling completely untethered. Even weeks into this thing, you may be struggling with creating a structure for yourself. And so that's why I'm launching this season with this episode in particular, so that I can help you create that structure. Because friend, working without structure is not sustainable. It's chaotic. It's stressful. It's hard to know what to do and when. So you are probably feeling unfocused, stressed out, and maybe you even find yourself shutting down as a coping mechanism. Or the opposite, you could be overworking yourself as a coping mechanism. And none of those things are good for you, and your business is probably suffering because of it. Now, if you're listening to this in the future and your business has returned to having client work, in fact, you might now be swamped with client work because of all the weddings that rescheduled for later in this year. And all of that client work is what is triggering workflows and due dates and such. And you are using that client work as the organizing structure of your business. Then that is also not sustainable because that is a business that is reactive. And you will always be reactive until you create something outside of client work around which to organize your days. If you are simply reactive, then you're operating with no sense of future vision. You cannot see where you are going, so you are going to be stuck on a hamster wheel going nowhere. And maybe you don't overtly feel the stress that this is causing you, but I promise you, there is probably an underlying level of stress and anxiety that you are living with underneath the surface. And that doesn't need to be there. In fact, so many people just get used to the level of stress they've created and they just learn to live with it. They find all kinds of coping mechanisms to deal with it. And it's like that quote from Kierkegaard, we settle for a level of despair that we can tolerate, and we call it happiness. Guys, that is a human thing to do. It's something we have all done in some shape or form at some point in all of our lives. We simply deal with the reality that we have created, or we just deal with the reality that is occurring around us. But it doesn't have to be that way. And that's why this episode is not a COVID-specific episode. This episode applies to all wedding photographers during, quote, normal times, like when we're not experiencing a global crisis. In fact, the people that were already practicing healthy time management habits before this crisis, I believe, are the ones that have been able to adjust and pivot and more quickly recover themselves emotionally and mentally during it. So if that is you, Awesome. I am so proud of you. But most people do not operate with proactive, intentional, and mindful life work habits. Most people depend on circumstances and external triggers to organize their time for them. In fact, right now, as you're listening to this, I am running a bunch of amazing photographers through a beta version of our brand new business course. And one of the very first modules of this course is intentional and mindful time management. I am having all of my students work in the same time management system for the duration of the course. And the reason I'm doing that 
is because I am challenging them to design their lives first. I'm empowering them to be intentional about how they work and how they live, and then they are creating healthy habits over the duration of this course to take back control of their lives, to take ownership of their time, and to run healthy, sustainable businesses moving forward long after the course is finished. I want long-term results for my students, and the way to do that is to create healthy habits. I am so excited to watch these students build businesses that support their lives instead of their lives being dictated by their businesses. And once I've run all of these students through this beta version of the course and I've gotten feedback and results and I've refined everything, the full version of the course is slated to launch at the end of July 2020 and then again at the end of 2020. So if you are interested in joining that program, and depending on when you're listening to this episode, those are some opportunities to join. Now, as we've recently learned, nothing is certain, so things may change. I don't plan on them changing, but plans have a way of getting disrupted, right? But that is what we have in the plans for 2020. But again, no matter when you're listening to this episode, what I'm going to talk about is not specific to this moment of this pandemic. Yes, we are at a very unique time right now. Right now, it is more urgent than ever that we ditch all of those old habits that are weighing us down and that are not serving us anymore. And we need to create new habits that will carry us forward into a new way of being because the world is going to change. It's going to be different and we need to be different with it. But also, it doesn't matter when you do this. The point is that you do establish healthy habits to work from home. All right, that is all I'm going to say about that. We're moving on. Let's jump into the five daily habits you need to crush it at working from home. The first daily habit that you need to win at working from home is you need a weekly time management practice. Now, I say weekly, and the title of this episode says daily. So what the heck? What am I doing? Well, in order to have successful days, you need to have a bigger picture plan. You need to know where you are going on a weekly basis. And in fact, you actually need to know where you're going on a quarterly basis and on a yearly basis, and you really should have a three to five year long-term plan. And maybe even longer, you could have a 10 to 15 year plan. That all depends on your business and your situation. And so in my business course, I'm having my students create a five-year vision, a one-year goal-setting plan, a quarterly rhythm, and then they plan out their weeks according to that vision and those goals. So They have a guiding directive. They have a true north that keeps them going in the right direction. Now, obviously, I am not going to go into all of that here, but at a minimum, you need to know what you are doing with your days throughout a single week. So if you don't have any of that long-term stuff figured out, that's okay. Just take it week by week right now and get used to that first. The reason why it is so important to know what you're doing on a week-by-week basis is because of this right here. 
I am reading the book Indistractable by Nir Ayal. It's a wonderful book. And I love what he has to say about scheduling out your time. He says, you cannot call something a distraction unless you know what it's distracting you from. I love that. You cannot call something a distraction unless you know what it's distracting you from. So that means you need to decide what you are doing with your time. You need to decide what you're doing with your days and your weeks, and you need to decide them ahead of time and not in the moment. You need to create that perspective from yourself so you can see your business from the outside and not always be in the weeds on the inside. Now, the time management system that I use for my weeks and that I'm having my students do in our course is actually already outlined for you in season three in Creative Rising episode 301. So go listen to that episode after you listen to this one, and it will help you create a weekly rhythm for yourself. So I'm not going to go into detail on that system here, but just to have context for this episode, I do want to let you know that my time management system is a time blocking system, but I don't micro block my time. Like I don't plan my days in 15 minute increments. And that means I need to rigidly stick to every single 15 minutes. All right. That is unsustainable for me. And I find that really overwhelming, even for me, who is a very organized and structured person. Instead, I use larger blocks of time, which then, yes, those larger blocks do tell me what I am doing at any point in my day. So my whole day is mapped out just in larger time blocks. It is my weekly plan. It is my time blocks that are the things that are telling me what to do. It's not my inbox or my clients or the news that is telling me what to do with my time. I have an organizing structure outside of those things that is determining how I move my business forward. And in my time management system, I have three types of time blocks. There's focus time, flow time, and flex time. And I'm not going to explain each one. That's what episode 301 is for. But the time block that I do want to touch on is focus time. Focus time is a block of time that you set where you get to do important work and only important work. Important work is defined as work that will move your business forward, but typically it is not urgent. So If you've read Cal Newport's book, Deep Work, then that is exactly what focus time is. If you're familiar with Amy Porterfield and her tiger time, same exact thing. That is focus time. It is time when you set everything aside and you work on things in your business that are really important and will drive your business forward. So if you are in a season where you don't have very much client work, then focus time is your best friend. You will have a lot more focus time available to you, so take advantage of it. Dig into the important work that will directly affect the future health of your business. But you absolutely need to schedule this focus time ahead of time, which is why a weekly time management practice is so important. So how do I actually schedule this time out? Well, at the end of every Friday... 
I have a recurring task for myself where I plan out my tasks for the next week in Asana, which is what we use to manage our to-do list and our, and our projects in our business. In my Asana task list, I have all of my time blocks for my week sectioned out, my focus times, my flow times, and my flex times. And they're all sectioned out in Asana. You can create sections in your Asana task list. And I just drop tasks in each section throughout my whole week. And so I have an overview of my whole week and what tasks are going to happen when. And I can get a good read on what my week will look like and If I have too much work, if I'm overzealous on how much work I can get done, I can see that ahead of time. So I don't overwhelm myself and feel completely behind on everything I want to do. It creates a really realistic picture of what I can do in my business. Now, a lot of people recommend using paper planners and writing down your week as well, which is a great practice. I don't personally do that, but I highly recommend using paper if that's something that will make this practice more effective for you. I know a lot of people have issues with electronic to-do lists and how easy it is to move things around and paper feels a little bit more permanent to keep you accountable to what you are doing in a given day. But the most important thing about planning out my weeks, how this serves me the best, is that it eliminates decision-making. I waste far less time figuring out what I am working on next because I have already spent that time deciding. If you sit down and you actually record what you actually did in a given day and got really ruthless about it, You would be shocked how much time you waste on making decisions. I know that was true for me, and I am always trying to set myself up for better success with just jumping right into work and eliminating that extra margin of decision time. So if you are feeling untethered in your work, creating a weekly schedule practice will be the anchor you need to ground you and keep you moving forward. That will be your guiding structure, not your circumstances. So listen to episode 301 after you listen to this and use the steps that I outline in that episode to create a weekly schedule for yourself using time blocks. So that is the first habit you need to win at working from home, a weekly time management practice. The second habit you need to win at working from home is an end-of-day check-in. So first, you will have a weekly check-in where you will schedule out your week ahead of time according to your time management practice. And then every day at the end of the day, you need to have a daily check-in with yourself because will your weeks go exactly as you planned? No, of course not. Things happen. Stuff just occurs, as we know right now, as I'm sitting here recording this, this is top of mind right now, but this means that your tasks will shift and adjust throughout the week. In fact, I think if your week goes 80% as planned, that is a great week. If you are expecting for your week to be 90% or higher, then you are aiming for perfection, and that is not sustainable. But 80% is really a great goal, and you are going to get a lot done in your business if you hit that percentage. 
So how will you know how you're doing if you're hitting that 80% or not? Well, an end-of-day check-in will help you keep tabs on the health of your time management. And there are a lot of different ways that you can do this check-in. You can take a look at each time block from your day, or you can take a look at each individual task in your day, and you can give yourself a rating on how you feel like you did. You could do a system like a plus, a plus minus, or a minus as a way to indicate that you did great or you did fine or you did not do great or you didn't do it at all. Or you can use symbols. You can rate the amount of energy that you had during each task. Was this a life-giving task? Was this an energy-draining task? How did you feel during each one? All right. Regardless of the specifics, the important thing is that you take just 10 to 15 minutes at the end of the workday to review the day. And it shouldn't take any longer than that. It should be relatively quick. But the most important part of this check-in is just to reassign and review any unfinished tasks and move them to a different part of your week or a different part of the next week. Just adjust and refine everything that's coming up so that the next day your day feels like you can sit down and get to work right away and you have clarity in how you are going to spend your time. There is one thing that I do want to emphasize during this end of day check-in. There is no room for shame during this. If you had a day where you gave yourself all minuses because you got very little done and it was just this off day, then just notice that. Don't shame yourself for it. Don't beat yourself up about it. Be nice to yourself. Mir Ayal also says in his book, Indistractable, that the people who have the most compassion for themselves tend to be the most resilient and also the most productive people. Shame is not only this emotional drain, it's a time drain. It will steal your time. So keep that in mind as you go through this end-of-day check-in. The point of this check-in is to just notice how things went so you can learn, and that's it. You don't need to notice something and then place a judgment on it, which honestly is something that I really had to learn, and it took me a while to learn it. I didn't understand this whole concept for a very long time. Anytime I noticed something about myself or a behavior that I did that I didn't like, I would automatically decide if it was good or bad, and I would try to figure out the underlying reason of why it was there. And the thing that really taught me how to just notice things and not place judgment on them and just let them be is my yoga practice. The mindfulness practice of yoga really opened up for me what it means to just notice something and let it be and move on. And guys, all the shame that you're feeling after a day that's gone poorly, that shame will just dissipate. If you just notice it, let it exist for a moment and then let it go. So in your daily check-ins, just notice. Notice things like, is the time of day that you have set for your focus time really the ideal time for you to focus? Are you habitually giving yourself too many tasks every day and you're never getting them finished? What is the ideal amount of work that you can complete in a given time block? That's what we are trying to get at during this end of day check-in, not whether you did good or did bad. So you will have your weekly check-in where you schedule out the upcoming week, and then you'll have a daily check-in where you'll review how your day went 
And taking regular time like this throughout your week to pause and reflect will do something really interesting for you. It will help you create presence in your life. It will help you slow down and take stock of how things are going before they get too crazy. And that's why they are two habits that I believe you absolutely need in order to be successful at working from home. All right, those are the first two habits, having a weekly time management practice and a daily check-in. The third time management practice that you need to win at working from home is a morning routine. And this one might come as no surprise to you because it seems like morning routines are all the rage among entrepreneurs right now. In fact, I've heard so many podcast episodes talk about morning routines over the past year to six months. And morning routines are all over the place. I've heard of routines that range from a simple cup of coffee five minutes before your day starts to complex hours long routines of meditation practices with journals and timers and incense and all of the things. So I am not going to give you a specific morning routine that you should be doing. I did just give you a time management system that I do think you should use step-by-step in episode 301, but when it comes to morning routines, you really have to create it for yourself based on your life, your needs, and your situation. Also, I want to be honest here. I only preach what I practice, so I am really good at my time management system, but I am not great at morning routines. So this is an area that I actively want to get better at. I wish I had a much better morning routine. So this is an area of growth for me because I know that a great morning routine will only benefit me and those around me. And I know that it is a habit that I need to be better at implementing if I'm going to be more successful in my business and with working from home. And guys, this quarantine season where life has been a lot more chaotic than normal, it has really highlighted this fact for me. It's really brought to the forefront the fact that I don't have a morning routine that is setting me up to be rested and ready for the day. It's crazy how seasons of stress and chaos really show you those areas of your life that you need to dial in and improve on. And that for sure has been my story with morning routines during this quarantine. Now, here are the guidelines of what I know a great morning routine should include. First, a morning routine needs to be for you. A morning routine is not waking up when your kids wake you up and then stumbling into the kitchen to get them breakfast. And guys, I get it. This was me for a very long time. After having James, I woke up when he did for like the first year and a half of his life. And guys, he's he's like about to turn two. So that adjustment to motherhood definitely has taken some time. But at one point, about six months ago, I realized that I had to start getting up earlier because I needed more work hours. And I just wanted to start my day differently. Like I wasn't getting enough done during the week. So I knew I needed to create some hours in the morning, but also I just was not loving the person that I was every day because of how I woke up. 
So now I wake up at 6 a.m. every weekday and James doesn't wake up until 7 a.m. And Jeff actually takes care of James and his morning routine. So I get to work until like right now during COVID, I'm working until like 9.30 or 10 a.m. And so regardless of the specific details, the thing that really works for us is that Jeff and I both wake up long before James does. And we get to do focus time early in our day. And that has been a game changer for us in our business, especially as parentpreneurs, raising our kid and raising our business. It was rough waking up when he would wake us up. Now, is that morning time for us? No, not necessarily. We're sitting down to work pretty much right away and we're not doing much else. So that's where I am challenging myself to wake up even a little bit earlier at 5.30 to give myself at least 30 minutes of me time before I sit down for focus time at six. So that is the area that I am working on and I hope that you guys can help me hold me accountable in that as well. Now, what could this morning routine me time look like for you? Well, what has been really helpful for me is this question right here. If you could wave a magic wand and have your mornings be whatever you want, what would it look like? And for me, the thing that pops into my head immediately is I would love to do yoga and meditation in the mornings because meditation and yoga to me is a form of prayer. And that plays into my physical self and my faith self and my emotional and my mental self. So that is the kind of morning that I'm figuring out how to design right now. Some other ideas are things like you can write in a gratitude journal, you can take a walk, you can do a workout, you can study your Bible or practice something else in your faith tradition. Maybe it's listening to music and taking a really long bath. Whatever it is, make sure that it's life-giving for you so that you are headed into your day rested instead of depleted. Okay, so that's the first guideline of a morning routine. Make it for you. Second, make your morning routine a routine. Okay, do the same thing every morning. Keep it as consistent as you can so it becomes a habit. When you do things in the same order every morning, it again eliminates that decision making. Every decision that you have in your business or your morning or your personal life is just an opportunity to back out. And that is 100% true for me. I am not going to get myself out of bed at 5.30 in the morning if I don't know what I'm going to do when my feet hit the ground. I'm just going to go right back to sleep if I have any decisions to make at that hour. So make it a routine. And third, make your morning routine enjoyable. If exercising doesn't sound like fun in the mornings, but you really want to do it, then read Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's a fantastic book, and it will help you learn how to make a habit enjoyable so that you actually do it. And one thing that James Clear recommends is called habit stacking. And habit stacking means that you find a habit that you do love. For me, that's something like having a cup of coffee. And you put the habit that you don't enjoy that you are trying to work on before the habit that you do enjoy. So if I tell myself that I need to drink a full glass of water in the morning before I can have a cup of coffee, 
then that is motivating. I will drink a glass of water. Or I am going to decide for myself that I need to do my yoga practice before I can have coffee. And that will motivate me as well. So that's a way to help you make your new habit enjoyable. Again, read Atomic Habits. I will put it in the show notes and it will be so helpful in establishing your morning routine and just creating healthy habits in general. So again, with your morning routine, make it for you, make it a routine and make it enjoyable. So those are the first three habits to win at working from home. Have a weekly time management practice, do an end of day check-in every day and have a morning routine. essential habit to win at working from home is to have an attack plan for your email. Oh my gosh, you guys, email inboxes are seriously one of the biggest time stealers that exists in our business. It can be the toughest thing to tame and manage. So I get it if your email is a struggle, which is why it is even more important to approach your email with a plan. Otherwise, it can get out of control very quickly. Now, first, if you find yourself working out of your inbox, that is the very first thing that needs to change about how you work. Like if your inbox is your to-do list or your to-do system and your day is dictated by the emails you receive, then you need to win back control. And I get it because I was there many years ago in our business. My email had completely taken over. But at one point, I came across a very, very simple method that changed it all for me. And that method has lasted over all of these years, and it is still super effective for me today in my business. I use the two-minute rule. And guys, I don't remember where I learned this from because it was so long ago. So if you guys know who originated this idea of the two-minute rule for email, then send me a DM on Instagram. I really want to know and figure it out again. So here is my attack plan for my email inbox. Every day, I have a scheduled time to process my inbox. It is a task in my Asana to-do list. And that task occurs only during my flow time time block. Now, I say process my inbox. That's what my task says. I say process intentionally. I don't say check, I don't say answer, but process. And you will find out why I say that. I use that language in just a minute. For me, this process my inbox task occurs every day in the early afternoon when James is napping. Now for you, it may need to be twice a day, once in the morning and once in the afternoon, or it might only need to be every other day. Okay, decide how often you truly need to check your email in order to stay on top of things. But really, no more than twice a day should be fine for a typical wedding photographer. When it's time to process your inbox, then use the two-minute rule. As you go through your messages, if a message takes two minutes or less to process, then go ahead and take care of it. So if you can respond in less than two minutes, then go ahead and respond. 
And if it's a newsletter, like an educational newsletter from an industry leader, and it takes two minutes or less to read and ingest and enjoy the information, then go ahead and read the information. Then archive those emails and get them out of your inbox. But if a message takes more than two minutes of time to respond to or to ingest the information, then what you'll do is create a task on your to-do list in Asana or wherever your to-do list is. You'll create a task for that email and you'll put that to-do in the time block that it should go in with the proper due date. Then either flag or archive that email as a way to just set it aside so that you don't keep opening it up and reading it over and over again because you're like, wait, what is that message again? You know that it has been thought about and it's processed and it's on your to-do list. So you don't need to think about that email until the to-do comes up on your task list. This includes newsletters from educators or influencers also that have valuable information that you want to dig into, but will take more than two minutes. So make yourself a task for later to watch their video or read their blog post. And guys, so often I will put those things on my to-do list on reading blog posts or digging into guides or videos. But then by the time that I get to that to-do, I actually know how interested I am in that content. If I am still interested by the time that to-do rolls around, then I know it's probably worth my time. If I've lost interest, then I just archive the email and I forget about it. And if that happens several times in a row with this specific educator, then I know that it's probably a good idea to just unsubscribe at that point. Processing my email using the two-minute rule will sometimes only take five minutes. Sometimes it'll take 30. Sometimes it'll take a little bit longer. But the point is that I am not getting distracted over and over again by my email all throughout the day. It has been processed and thought about And then I can shut it down and I can do other important things while knowing that I am staying on top of the things that I do need to stay on top of. So that is the fourth habit you need to win at working from home. Have an attack plan for email. We are on the home stretch. We have one more habit to talk about. And the fifth habit you need to win at working from home is to plan your rest. Just like you need to decide when you're going to work and what you're going to do while you work, you also need to plan when you're going to rest and what you are going to do while you rest. And there is a lot that I could say about this topic of rest. Entire libraries of books are being written on rest right now. But here's the three things that I want to touch on. First, in your weekly schedule, decide when you get to shut off work at the end of each day. This is a really, really important decision that you need to get clear about and you need to get honest about. This is the kind of thing that if you are not clear about an end time, you will push the boundaries of your work hours and you will find yourself working at all kinds of crazy hours. Okay. And one way to get really clear about this is to communicate that time with whomever you need to communicate it to, whether it's a spouse, a roommate, your kids, or if it's just yourself, write it down and put it in your task list. Whomever this affects, let them know when you are going to be done with work. Second, 
parent yourself and give yourself a bedtime. Jeff and I had to do this when we started waking up early to work because we found ourselves just vegging out on Netflix until 10 or 11 p.m. every night. And then we were trying to get up at 5 or 6 a.m. And that just doesn't work. We needed to commit to going to bed at 9 p.m. because the success of our mornings is based on what we do the night before. Our mornings are determined on if we got enough hours of sleep or if we had one glass of wine the night before or if we had three. You know, all of that affects our focus time in the morning the next day. So creating a bedtime to make rest a priority really has been huge for us in getting important work done in our business. And third, give yourself rest throughout the week to unplug from technology. This is so important these days when our phones are on us all the time. A great book to read on this topic is Digital Minimalism, which I've mentioned here on the show before. This is by Cal Newport, the same guy that that wrote Deep Work. Huge fan of Cal Newport and those two books. But Jeff and I also read the book The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And this is a faith-based book for those in the Christian tradition. But that book is amazing, and I absolutely loved what it has to say about rest and what it has to say about Sabbath in particular. And that book is what inspired us to start doing a Sabbath practice every single week. And so we have started taking a Sabbath every week starting this year, and it's been magical. We have a whole day once a week to unplug and rest. We don't do any chores. We don't run any errands. We just let the day be joyful. We let joy be our compass for a whole day. So I'm not saying that you have to incorporate a Sabbath tradition, but I am saying that you need to be intentional about how you rest. Decide when you're going to stop working every day. Give yourself a bedtime during the week and give yourself periods of rest from technology at least once every week, if not more. So those are the five essential habits you need to win at working from home. A weekly time management practice, an end-of-day check-in, a morning routine, an attack plan for email, and a plan for rest. So there you have it. Thank you so much for joining me here on Creative Rising. And if you are not a part of our Creative Rising community on Facebook yet, that group is free and it's for photographers. Go to the show notes to find a link there to get into the group. Also, make sure to listen to the episode 301 to learn all about my time management system. You are going to find a link to that in the show notes as well. Or go to creativerising.com forward slash three zero one. All right, guys, have a great week and I will see you soon in the next episode of Creative Rising.